actually HR holds the company together. It is the function that we don't have it, we are gonna get sued. If we don't have it, like there's no retention. Welcome to the Fractional Edge Podcast, the ultimate podcast where we unlock the power of workforce planning and discuss the rapidly growing fractional executive staffing strategies to supercharge your business. Meet your hosts, Carol Fraser, a workforce planning expert, fractional chief human resources officer, and founder of C4 Talent. And Jason Hewitt, the sensei of marketing, fractional chief marketing officer, and founder of Fifth Degree Marketing. We'll bring you insights from seasoned pros, inspiring success stories, and actionable strategies to optimize your valued workforce. Don't miss this chance to upgrade your business with top industry leaders in today's competitive landscape. So tune in and learn how to unleash your competitive edge. Welcome today to the Fractional Edge podcast. My name is Carol Fraser. I am a fractional CHRO. With me today is my co-host, Jason Hewitt. He is our fractional CMO. And today we have Krissa Boyce. Krissa, tell us a little bit about what you do, what your fractional expertise is, because I think it's more than one, and a little bit about how you got started. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad to be with you guys today, even though it's freezing outside. I'm glad to be here with you and warm. Uh, so I am a fractional COO and CSO. Um, my background actually is quite varied. Uh, I started my career off in marketing and branding. So I have a lot of experience in all various like levels of leadership. Um, but when I work in a company now, I, I come in from the lens of how can I be the CEO strike in person? And really thinking through exactly how to address various pain points inside the organization. That typically means that I take on a, like a operations function that equals both looking at HR process and systems, and then also a little bit of their financial infrastructure. Um, so just depending on what people are working on. So it's a little bit more of a holistic approach. I um, am not a true operations person. So the good thing about that is I will not get stuck in all the details. And in the minutia of things, um, I have the ability to really kind of zoom in into what's going on at an operational level and then be able to synthesize that information to a CEO in a way that's not overwhelming or that their eyes are glossing over. Uh, so that's, that's what I do. And then in terms of how I got into this world, I had transitioned out of marketing and branding many, many years ago. Um, I had gotten to the point in my career where the next move was CMO level. And I just felt like that was not what I wanted to do. I had been working with an executive coach for a while and um, had decided to like moonlight as a coach for a little bit of time. And when I had this opportunity to leave my, what I call my corporate life, I decided I would just move, I would continue to work as a coach. And that opened up this opportunity where I was hired by a company to help build their corporate practice. And um, in that time, I worked with startups helping them scale. Um, they were typically in like, you name like the round of funding and that they were getting a lot of infusion of capital to build their teams. And I was supporting them and helping them build culture um, and helping them scale. And then uh, also for that company to have potential training for large organizations. So that all parlayed into some consulting work. And here I am. Interesting path. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know that I've, I've been in contact with anyone that started off kind of in the marketing branding world that, that by choice moved into the operations and, and CSO role. I think it's wonderful. Uh, you obviously have, uh, multiple parts 
of, yeah. of your mind, uh, opposite parts of the brain at, at work there. Do you do most? Is most of your work uh, is that COO or tell, tell us about the CSO and how that that uh, intersects? Yeah, got it. Um, I know, by the way, anyone that worked with me back in the day, um, when I tell them I do operations, I was like the frequent offender. I was the one everyone's hate list. Like I didn't do any of the systems updates. I fought with the operations team. I had no part of any of the operational things. So the other thing that actually is, is nice is on the other side, I really do get the resistance from a lot of the teams and how annoying it is what we're saying we want to do and how we want to shift process. I really can feel the pain. So I get that. Um, so the CSL part, the, the CSL part is really the strategy piece. And so sometimes what will happen is um, a company will have a lot of specialists, right? So there is like a true finance person, a true HR person. They're really good in their particular functions. But then what's sort of missing is the ability for those teams to coalesce and help drive the company to scale um, specifically from the inside out. And usually in these in this context, the CEO is a biz dev person, right? They love to go out. They are the figurehead of their brand or their company. And they're not really in the day-to-day sort of minutia of how do we scale a business. Um, and there's that missing link. Uh, so tip when I come in as a CSO, that's what I'm helping um, the teams do. I'm helping take, take the CEO's vision and what they want to do and grow in terms of like the type of business that they want to have from the outside, like the brand and, and uh, basically helping them transpose that into like what the culture is going to look like and what the infrastructure is going to look like. Um, and then leveraging the specialists to do that. And typically people who are so specialists in that way have a hard time really kind of thinking outside. Their, their their specific specialist area. So I help them communicate with one another. And is there a certain type of company that you work with or industry that you're in? Um, no, actually, I'm, I'm industry agnostic. Um, the size of company typically varies. Um, I would call it more mid-sized company. So I work with organizations in a fractional capacity up to like 50 million. Um, my sweet spot is 20 to like 35. These are a lot of really like good opportunities to do a lot of interesting things in that size of an organization. And it's fun to watch people grow. Um, I find that if they're like in the $10 million range, it's hard to get them to grow because there's a lot of investments in infrastructure. So it takes a minute, but in the like 20 to 30, there's less investments needed. And it's a little bit more fun. So that's my, my sweet spot. I love it. I love it. You seem very sure and confident of the, of the space that you are in. You know what you like, which I think yeah. is great. Wonderful. Yeah. So when you're working with your clients, Krista, what do you usually discover when they bring you on initially? What is usually most of the pain points that they're trying to get you to come on board and really focus on? Not what they think that they are. Exactly, I'm sure. So <laughs> uh, well, whatever you just told me is that we have to go do. Got it. That's usually that's usually the first challenge. Um, and I say that tongue in cheek, but it's actually sort of the bigger problem, right? Is when you're sitting inside your business, um, and this is why I think outside help is so good. And it's interesting when I was in marketing and branding and I you know, had an executive role inside of a company, I hated the consultants. I wanted nothing to do with them. I was annoyed when I was asked to bring them on board. But now I realize the importance of it, right? Because from coming from the outside, you just have a different lens that you cannot see when you're inside an organization, especially if you've been building it for a while and it's your baby. Um, so the first thing is actually telling the truth about the real problems, because a lot of times people live in like the impact or the, the symptom of the of what's really going on. So that is like the first piece that I think is the biggest value a fractional person will add is give you like the real, real as to what you need to go work on. It's typically not 
a sexy thing, as I like to say. Uh, and it's definitely not where you think you should start. So that's the, that's, that's where I think the, the value comes in. But in terms of pain points, um, first from an HR perspective, it's usually poor casting. So we have a lot of people who are like doing a great job, but like there's something off and, um, there's not necessarily like a lot of growth in, um, certain levels of leadership and sometimes even in junior staff. So we haven't casted appropriately. Um, the other thing is organizational structure. Um, doing an org design takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of thinking and it does require some planning. So if we do have to do an org design, um, I think Carol, you may experience this quite often, right? It's like, okay, we have to plan for the org design because we have to develop some people to be in leadership roles or we have to change some positions first before we can actually do the design that we want. So it's just really thinking through those pieces and that infrastructure makes a huge difference. Once it's in place, there's a lot of, there's more clarity, there's better um, opportunity for accountability. So that's the other biggest pain point that I see. And then from an operations standpoint, what typically goes missing, especially the size company I just talked about, um, the $20 million range is the fact that there's a missing strategy. So it's a little bit of a whack-a-mole, like we're getting things done, we're dealing with what's coming up, but there isn't like a operational strategy that's that's set up to like scale the business. And it's a little bit of whatever needs to get done, will get done. So those are the, the places that, the things that most often come up. I love the term poor casting. Yes. As somebody who's from California and both Jason and I uh, have had our time with the entertainment industry and the film industry. So I loved that you said the word poor casting. I, may I steal that? You can steal it. You can Fantastic. Just <laughs> like, Yes, that's a great way to put it. Um, and then, you know, it's interesting because when you were kind of going through each one of those things, you know, people don't realize that if you're going to, if you're 20 to 35 million, you probably have hundreds, usually about 200 employees. And if you're not considering how they're working together and you're looking, like you said, at the symptom and not necessarily yet the root cause, then you're not recognizing that, you know, the f- best place, sometimes the easiest place to start is the people. Yes. Because they're the ones who are closest to what is happening, first off. But secondly is, you know, this goes to my workforce planning kind of questions, which is everybody misses that section of workforce planning, right? They they start with the strategy. And even you said, though, sometimes they don't even have that, that whack-a-mole, Right. So they have this strategy or not, and they're like, and then we want to do all of these things, but they just totally skipped over the who's going to do it. At what levels do we need people to do exactly. right? mm-hmm. it? It's yeah. yeah. What you're saying just resonates with me, but you know, Jason, what, what resonated with you? Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the marketing guy. So I just kind of want to go back to your marketing background, yeah. but I'm going to, I'm going to stay here in the present. Um, so you talked a little bit about culture, too. And uh, this is fascinating because the, as I've gotten to know Carol, um, I ran small businesses for most of my life. And I, I realized actually talking through her how little I know about HR. It's like, yeah, this is that I'm not quite as good as I thought I, I was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and when you say culture, the, I'm kind of curious, you know, what are what's what typically do you see when you go into a, a company um, for our audience, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening um, would you say that is culture a, a main point of focus right now? Um, do you see uh, this pretty well formed in the organizations that you're working with? Or is it 
non-existent. <laughs> That's a good question. It actually ties into what Carol was saying a moment ago, and it connects to the executive coaching side of what I do. Um, because on the executive coaching side, that, that there's a whole, you know, world of like culture development and supporting, you know, leaders and developing the right type of culture for their company and actually doing culture work, like truly high level, like what kind of organization do we want to be? What are our values? Culturally, just um, as a company mission, but then also from like a diversity, equity, inclusion standpoint. So there are like many things that tie into like the the fractional world because a lot of times what will happen is companies will do culture work, but there isn't like a process or a system to integrate that culture work. And it's like, great, we all feel amazing after this retreat. We spent all this money and it was great. We went to some fabulous place and now it's kind of dead in the water. So there's an intersection there that's really important to me. And that's actually why I started to do fractional work because I was noticing in my culture work that I'd leave a client and then they were like, that was a great workshop, but nothing got integrated or some things got integrated, but then we were missing like the nuts and bolts of actually shifting the organization. Um, so the first thing I will say is that people will mess everything up. It doesn't matter how good your, your system is or your process. If they're not on board, if they don't care, if they're not the right people, it doesn't matter. So I think there should always be a focus on people and helping people um, get be bought in. Um, as part of like doing any type of like change in system and process kind of work. Um, so that's like the most important piece, especially when I'm going into organization. I, I can't do anything on a process side if the people aren't going to believe it or buy into it. And if I don't understand what their reality is, like sometimes it's not that they're, they're resistant. They just like don't know how or they're not trained or there isn't the right structure in place to help them get work done or integrate new systems. Um, so that's that piece of the, the people side. From a culture standpoint, it really sort of runs the gamut. Some companies are overly focused on culture and then they sort of turn a blind eye to like process and infrastructure and even accountability because sometimes we're too culture focused. We want everyone to feel like they belong and we want everybody to be part of the pro like this, the company building and we want everyone to have a say. But then what happens is the world of like who's accountable, who has authority and who's responsible gets a little blurred. And in those instances, it's, it's about clarifying those particular roles, depending on like who's at what level and what their, you know, what their post is inside the organization. And then other instances and in companies don't even bother because they don't need to specifically in the hybrid world. It's a lot more challenging to create culture and hybrid brand. And so many companies have sort of been like, forget it. We can't really figure this out. So we're not trying to. Um, so it, so it runs the gamut. Okay. I feel like that could be a whole podcast episode, just having you two talk about <laughs> how the connected world has impacted, you know, the workplace. Yeah, um, like, we could probably also tell horror stories of something. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though, Krista, because it's, they love the energy that we're able to ignite when we come in for that initial offsite training, whatever it is. And it's actually, you know, I don't know about your business, but one of the things that I almost as part of that is make them workshop ways of working, make them actually put down in paper, strategize right there. How are you going to make this work? So give me five things you're going to do to make that work. Give me five things you're going to do to make that work. And that way, at least they walk out with a little bit of something because you're right. They love the ideas. But the, it's, it's effort. It's effort that they haven't had to expend before in the hybrid world and remote world, but it is totally doable. Yes, it's just, true. you got to invest the time. That's yeah. all. Yeah. 
So when you're dealing with, uh, when you go in, are you directly working, um, reporting to the CEO usually, or I, and I, I kind of dovetail that into two questions, you know, in coaching, we never do that, but, um, you know, do you work with the CEO and then what is your connection with the CHRO or whoever's doing human resources? Because there is that blend. How does that all work for you? Yes. Um, good question. So, uh, yes, and reporting directly to the CEO. Um, I'm really trying to help that person specifically figure out how to get the business to where they want it to be. So that is my direct point of contact. In some companies I've gone in and there isn't a CHRO, there might be like a director of HR. Um, so part of what will happen is uh, my job is to develop that person and help them grow or thinking through like, how do we take this function and help it actually be more meaningful inside the organization? Cause it's just functioned as HR, <laughs> you know, and the, the, you know, the funny thing is HR in most companies gets a bad rap. <laughs> like it's just HR, but actually HR is, is holds the company together, right? It's like, it, it is the, the function that if we don't have it, we are going to get sued. Like if we don't have it, like there's no retention. So, um, there is a part of when I'm coming in and there isn't like a fully developed, like head of HR. My job is to help, help groom the person or find somebody that can really uh, scale that so we can match the, the strategy that the CEO is trying to accomplish. And part of my job is to help articulate, help the CEO articulate what they are trying to accomplish. And, you know, it's not, I always say it's not sexy, but like building the business from the inside out is not fun. It's like way better the other way, but it, you know, we have to go from the inside out. I love that. That's, you know, there are a lot of things in business. I think, uh, people that are considering entrepreneurship think, Oh, you know, running a business so sexy. It's, it's just, it's awesome. I mean, there's, if you could peel back the onion and see everything and know that ahead of time, you probably would never, uh, start a business. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of details in what you're talking about that are really meaningful. Um, what advice, uh, for, let's say for the entrepreneurs that are listening, would you have for working with either a COO or a CSO? Um, at the onset, you know, what, what can they do to prepare to work with someone like yourself? Oh, it's a really good question. I, I love that question. Um, so I, I, I think the first thing is to really be honest about what your own shortcomings are. I think this is really hard for some CEOs and founders. Um, because like if, if they've started a business on their own specifically, there's a lot of pride in that. And, um, and speaking as a high achiever myself, I really do want to be able to do everything. Um, and I want to be an expert in everything. And it, it takes some level of like admitting that I need help that, um, is required for me to go get, get the help. So first thing is be honest about the weaknesses you have and also the things you just don't care about. Right. Because there's a truth about that too. And typically the things you don't care about, you're not paying attention to, but also they might need to be tended to in your business. And because you are not focused on it or you're not mandating anybody to care, others are not. So that would be the initial like intake that I, that I would ask for them to do. And then the, the last piece is be honest about like how you've delegated work. A lot of times what will happen in companies is you'll have people who are just awesome, right? They have the roll up their sleeves, people, they're high level executive or even just, you know, a more junior level executive and they can just get things done for you. And so it's easy to be like, oh, this person will handle it for me or like they will figure it out. They're, they're wonderful. They're a unicorn. And that's great. I'm giving this person all this stuff, but it's actually 
stunting their growth because they don't want to be doing that thing. They're not really developing their skills in the area they want to be developed in. And they're probably feeling overwhelmed and not, and just not pushing back on you because they know you need the help. And they also want to be of service. So being honest about that too helps pull apart where we actually have the holes in staffing and in like creating um, better verticals inside the business. Thank you for tuning in to The Fractional Edge. We hope you enjoyed our insightful discussions and feel inspired to unleash your competitive edge. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to stay updated with the latest episodes. You can also connect with our podcast guests to benefit from their expertise and explore collaboration opportunities by visiting our website, thefractionaledge.com. Join us next time as we continue to explore the power of workforce planning and fractional executives in today's competitive business landscape. Until then, take care and keep growing.